Hello and welcome to the Logistics Podcast, In Focus. I'm your host, James Berman, editor of SHD Logistics. Thanks for joining us. This week marks the launch of SHD Logistics' latest iteration of the Logistics Report. This latest report is titled Supply Chain Resilience, and in this special episode, we will focus on one of the supply chain challenges mentioned in the report specifically, one which is very much ongoing, the war in Ukraine. As supply chain professionals, we must see the interconnectivity of global supply chains and how one area of disruption creates shockwaves that impact all manner of businesses, logistics included. Nearshoring and multi-shoring are sound in premise, but some simple stats about Ukraine's cereal exports already reveal that the conflict is putting our supply of food, fertilizer and energy in flux. For instance, Ukraine is predicted to account for 12% of global wheat exports, 16% for corn, 18% for barley and 19% for rapeseed. Those quantities are hard to ignore. As part of the latest report, I conducted an interview with Professor Richard Wilding of Cranfield University, a supply chain expert. One of the challenges we identified was the situation in Ukraine. I got his thoughts. So if we're looking at Ukraine, I think one of the key things that we have to recognise is, you know, it's having a big impact on certain key resources which we're experiencing. So if you're looking at, say, gas, oil, and so on and so forth, big challenges within that area. We also have to think about food. So there are a number of challenges taking place in that whole area there. So watch this space for further food inflation, because, for example, you know, we have to recognise that the Ukraine is, if you like, the breadbasket of Europe. You know, an awful lot of the cereal crops which are actually grown, a good 30% or so is actually coming out of that region of the world. So when you've got disruptions in that way, you know, yes, you have to think through that at the end of the day, crops are seasonal. So if you like, the harvest came in, so it may not be impacting the harvest now, but these things will be coming and hitting us later. What we also have to recognise is that, you know, if you think about gas prices, gas is used for making ammonia. Ammonia is used for fertilisers. So what has actually happened, and we've heard about this, is that many fertilizer manufacturers have actually shut down, okay, manufacturing, because it was too expensive. That then, as a byproduct, there's carbon dioxide. So we heard as well, you know, in the back end of 2021, that the government was saying, please, fertilizer manufacturers, please start producing again because we need carbon dioxide. Because that is used in drinks, it's used in, you know, the food supply chains with regard to slaughtering animals. It's also used in, you know, sandwich packs as well. You know, it's one of those things that is used to sort of uh, lengthen the life of products as well. So it's used everywhere. But this is a byproduct. But then what we know is that if we start to think about potash, it's a salt, which is another fertilizer. The main areas where that comes out of are uh, Russia and also the Ukraine once again. So when we start to actually think about this, we start to see that these certain key things which we may have taken for granted we now have to start actually start thinking carefully about. So, you know, even before the war in the Ukraine, I was concerned that this coming year, because of fertilizer prices and things like that going up, 
farmers were already switching the crops they were using because they were saying, well, I'm not going to grow those maize crops because they use a lot of nitrogen. I'm going to switch to these crops because they grow effectively. There's less nitrogen. We've then seen corn prices going up. It's now reported that some farmers are saying, well, I was growing tomatoes, but I'm no longer going to grow tomatoes. I'm going to grow maize instead. So you can see what's going to happen here. You know, all of a sudden we're going to have a shortage of tomatoes, but we might have more grain here. So all these sort of things are going to be disrupting the food supply chain. We've also seen, of course, metals as well. So multiple issues in charge of managing those resources. So one of the key things that we've been talking about over the last few years in terms of, you know, our procurement sourcing strategies has been around very much focusing on the whole area of can I bring things onshore? Now, of course, with certain commodities, um, particularly metals, well, it's very difficult to do that because they have to be sourced from certain regions of the world where geologically that material is available. Can I nearshore? So we might say, well, okay, I, I want to actually procure things closer because that'll create more resilience. But the other thing is, is can I multi-shore? So this isn't about multi-sourcing where we say, oh, well, I've got three suppliers. That's great. I can remember working with one particular company who said, we thought we were fine. We had three suppliers, but it all turned out they're in the same area of northern Italy and the whole place was locked down. So we have to start thinking about multi-shoring, which means I might have a supplier in, I don't know, northern Italy. I may also have one in China. I may also have one in South America or somewhere like that. Why? Because that starts to help us to mitigate the risk within the supply chain. Richard's insights are valuable, but to get a real grasp on the scale, we need some more statistics and context. I spoke to Glenn Kepke, Vice President and General Manager, Network Collaboration at Four Kites a business which specializes in real-time global shipping visibility. The Russia and Ukraine war has caused havoc on supply chain on a daily basis. Right now, we are seeing imports to Russia and Ukraine decline by 69% and 86% respectively since the war began. Meanwhile, both countries' inability to export materials, whether due to sanctions or safety concerns has led to shortages in food, energy, and electronics. Unfortunately, consumers can expect to see ongoing extreme variability in both pricing and availability of goods, especially across the European continent. Ocean dwell times at European ports increased well above pre-war levels during the first two weeks of March. While dwell times in other regions have stabilized, Southern Europe remains 38% higher compared to the week before the invasion of Ukraine. Europe's largest port of Rotterdam said that goods throughput fell by 1.5% in the first quarter as trade was hit by the impact of sanctions on Russia and it expects the conflict in Ukraine to hit volumes for the entire 2022. To date, we've seen minimal impact to delays for less than truckload and groupage shipments throughout Eastern Europe. However, the war has exacerbated a shortage of truckers and causes diesel prices to skyrocket across the entire European region. German Road Transportation Association Der Bundesverband Spedition und Logistik reported in Spiegel says delays are being caused by a shortage of drivers 
and European freight capacity and road transport is down by as much as 7% as a result. There was already a shortage of drivers in Europe, and the DSLV suggests that there were as many as 100,000 Ukrainian drivers in Poland alone before the war broke out. Polish trucking companies are increasingly hiring native drivers to replace Ukrainians, and most of the Polish drivers have come from German transport companies, transferring these pressures westward. The long-term impacts of the war are concluded by three main areas. First is pricing. Diesel costs and rising freight costs will ultimately impact consumers when they go to buy goods online or at stores. Second is the driver demographic and the geography in which these drivers are hauling transport is going to materially change until 2023. And then third is the overall capacity market will remain extremely volatile as the war continues. These impacts will absolutely be seen through the end of 2022, but also through 2023. The market remains extremely volatile and every day brings new challenges and we wish for the safety of everyone involved. Thanks to Glenn and Richard for their comments on this podcast. The Russian invasion of Ukraine began on 24th of February, and the situation has changed constantly since then. As Richard alluded to, particularly as a lot of the resource shortages created by the crisis are food-based, a lot of the implications are seasonal and will fluctuate during harvest times. It is likely that however long the war continues, and even after it comes to an end, the implications on global supply chains is massive. As important as it is that we discuss the supply chain relevance of the situation in Ukraine, I wanted to conclude this podcast by underlining the situation is nonetheless a humanitarian crisis of huge magnitude, and providing charitable donations is as important as ever. The Red Cross's work in Ukraine goes beyond the essential supply of food, water, medicines and clothing, but has included vital first aid training and psychological support. Visit redcross.org.uk for more information about their efforts and how to donate. That's all from me. Thanks for listening and see you soon.